Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week, and the Eagles are now 10-1 as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 121. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films to discuss our thoughts after the Eagles took care of business in their 31-3 victory over the Chicago Bears. Greg and I both watched the tape in that game, so we will share our thoughts on that before looking ahead at the Eagles matchup against Seattle this Sunday night. This week in our Sky report I want to look at a rookie who has been forced into playing time and has looked pretty good when he's been out there on the field we'll get into who that is later on in the show but before we get into all of that let's not waste any more time Greg Cosell and I break down the win over the Chicago Bears and preview those Seattle Seahawks on film let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk let's get down to business it's time for Chalk Talk Back for another installment of Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg, uh, here we are. It's week 12 already in the NFL. 13, is week it? 13. I always lose track by the time I get to this it's point. It's week 13. It's, uh, it's unbelievable that we're at this point the Eagles the had a bye, and they're 10-1. So well, it's and, week 13. And just like we all scripted, it was t- the Eagles are now 10-1. and one. Uh, you had them eleven and zero, I believe. I, I think so, yes, but yes. I, didn't, I didn't want to make you feel bad. Right, about right, it. right. Um, but you know, I, I, the Eagles are obviously a, a great win against Chicago in that this was a, a take care of business. Win. Yes, you know, a lot of people saw this as a trap game uh, with a, a Chicago team that only had three wins on the area, although albeit three good wins, uh, th- only three wins on the season. Coming here to Lincoln Financial Field, the Eagles coming off such a high uh, with all the wins that they've been able to string together in a row. I think being able to take care of business on both sides of the football I thought was key, even though it was a sloppy game overall. It wasn't a perfect game no. on either side of the ball. But you know what I really liked about it? And you could say the same thing about the Denver game and the same thing earlier in the season about the Arizona game is that instead of fighting through a game and, and sort of wondering how it's going to play out, they're getting ahead early. And I think that's absolutely critical, and it says a lot about the mindset of the team. Does it worry you at all that this team, uh, really, the last time they've been challenged yeah. in the fourth quarter was week six? I know. Everything's been kind of a blowout. Is that, does that work concern you at all? I mean, well, they've got some tough opponents coming down the stretch yeah. here, so they're going to get challenged at some point in the coming weeks. You know, look, then it depends on your point of view, the idea that do you have to play tough games, and most people would say yes, but on the other hand, when you game plan for any opponent, you're game planning so that what you put in works, works effectively, and allows you to execute at a high level. And even though this past Sunday was not a high, high level, they still got ahead. It was 24 nothing. At least so. It yeah. was 24 nothing. yes. So they still got ahead, and that's what you look to do. Now, I think you're right. In Seattle and then at the Rams, I would— I would tend to think that these games will not be blowouts. They'll be tight, close games. And I think with Seattle, missing a lot of players, but a team with a lot of pride and a team that's played in a lot of playoff games, that will be a physical battle. Yeah, a team that beat them pretty soundly a year ago. Right. uh, You know that the Eagles will have that on their mind. I think there's two sides to that coin because – you can look at it and say, look, the, the Eagles, everything they're doing is it's clicking. Like you said, they're drawing up game plans. 
and they're executing it well. Yeah. Everything's working, uh, and they're playing uh, playing fast with a lot of confidence. Yep. And, and that's one of the things you you really you can't buy that mid season. You're hoping to have that kind of you know for all intents you know for all other words to have that kind of swag going into the postseason, uh, which it certainly looks like this Eagles team is going to do. Uh, it's good to have that, but. We would just see how once once you go up some against some of these other tougher teams and then players in the locker room have called this stretch here, this three game stretch, kind of a measuring stick. Yes. And it'll be very interesting to see how they perform. And they'll be aware teams. of that. Yeah. And and you know, you start to hear all that stuff, Fran, and I never know how to respond to this. Everybody has their point of view. There's no right or wrong until we then have access to the results. But the idea that oh, it'd be good for them to lose a game now. That's I that's silly. I don't yeah, I, I don't yeah but you know that. Yeah, right, I heard exactly. that the other night yep. on I can't remember probably watching one of the games yep. I heard someone say that and hey there are people who believe that you know I don't get into those kinds of conversations because I don't feel like there's any way to I don't know what that means right. to be honest with you I don't think the undefeated Patriots lost in the Super Bowl because they didn't lose a game correct in the regular season. correct uh let's talk about this game though yeah and let's start on offense uh overall thoughts on Carson Wentz and his performance against the Chicago Bears uh solid not his best but when I watched the tape, I thought it was better than it was, believe it or not, watching the game on television with you. Why so? Uh, you know, he missed a couple. Uh, but I thought for the most part, he was really, really good before the snap of the ball. Really good again. Yes. <laughs> really good before the snap of the ball. Um, we did the play on Eagles.com. But I, I, when I really got a chance to truly break it down in, in, in more detail and look at it with my remote in my office, you know, 10 times, the touchdown to Aguilar was just high-level quarterbacking. Big time. Yeah. And yeah, so I thought he actually, you know, he's reached a level, I think, which is pretty remarkable. And I was actually talking about this with my matchup group in the office today, is that we're now taking for granted at what level he's at mentally for a guy who's only in his second year. Now, can he come out and throw some picks? Of course, every quarterback can. But the mental level at which he's at right now for a second-year quarterback is pretty darn good. You know what underrated part of that play, the touchdown to Aguilar, which he obviously puts it on with good accuracy, allows him to, to create some yards after catch, but how quickly he was able to reset yes. on the snap. Because yes. he, he the ball is hitting his hands, and he's got his eyes on the on the corner. Correct. He's looking at the, at the slot pressure. The slot pressure, yeah. But so quickly, he's able to flip his hips, hips to the opposite sideline and reset and put that ball on a yep. rope to the – I mean, it's a bubble screen. It's not. It's, you're right. Not, you're not reinventing the wheel here. No. But just a really impressive. And no. like you said, the mental side of it was the most impressive part. Yeah, and that that to me is what really, really stands out about his game. I mean, he's a physically gifted kid. We knew that when he came out of North Dakota State. But the mental side at this level in his second year is really impressive. What were your thoughts when you watched the uh, the the uh, the bubble screen gone wrong, or the chip screen gone wrong to Corey Clement? I was third and nine. Uh, they come out and they look like they're going to show pressure from the right. Chicago does, and they're going to run a screen. Oh, left. oh, yeah. Uh, and he sees pressure, and he, that was zero. He, but they went zero, zero. Yeah. yeah. So, which again, that's the mental part because he knew where the pressure was coming from. So they took away the screen because he thought perhaps that McManus would actually blitz instead of peeling off to take Clement. But once then McManus stayed out there and peeled off to take Clement, he knew pressure was coming from his front side, and. The poise that he showed on that play was absolutely remarkable. But it started with his awareness. Yeah, I mean, you you know that the pressure's coming from there, and you know that if that play's dead, because again, it's third and nine, so right. you're throwing that in the dirt. You're you're giving up on the drive. Uh, his ability to then duck out of pressure, know where it's coming from, uh, and then scramble, pick up the first down. I, I, that was outstanding as well. The first touchdown to Zach Kurtz was that about what you saw? We broke that play yeah. on PhiladelphiaEagles.com on the All Twenty Two Review as well uh, about what you thought we saw when we watched it uh, yesterday. 
Yeah, and we still – I called the guys in. I, we still couldn't figure out what the defense was. What did you decide yeah. it was? We I couldn't have, figure it out. We were – Because we it, it had man elements yeah. and it had zone elements. And we – it was initially – to me, it looked like I ultimately I came down to like a cover one with, right. a, with a man in the hole. That's right. Kinda, that's kind of what right. looked, I ended up on. The one where I was really confused was just the, the touchdown to Alshon. Uh, where yes. Where they're an empty. Yes. And a, yes. You know, I was actually going back and forth with um, – with Dan Arlovsky, a former NFL quarterback, about it uh, on Twitter. And he, he said, you know, that must have been their empty check. And they just the, – the Eagles went into empty, and they just kind of robotically checked into that. And it was – they're bracketing number two. They're bracketing Kenyon Barner at the bottom. Right, right. Like, with no idea of who the Dan's receivers are. Dan's a good guy, are. too. Yeah. He's really it, it smart. Was, it, was, yeah. uh, it was just – Yeah. Overall, the, the Eagles, you know, capitalized on the mistakes yep. on both sides. Yeah. No, it's – you know. And, again, like I said, we're at the point where – Wentz wasn't as sharp as he's been in other games, but it wasn't as if he had a bad game. Right, exactly. Uh, run game. Um, so one, one wrinkle I really enjoyed. They did it a couple times because they ran that wham play a few times in yep. this game. Yep. There were a few where it was against an odd front where Jason Kelsey was covered up and he was unable to get up to the second level. So instead of Brent Selleck whamming the defense, He went up tackle, to the second level. He went up Correct. to the second level. Correct. I thought that was a nice little wrinkle yeah. that they yeah. added Well, it's funny game. because there's one I remember specifically where he was looking for the first-level yep. guy Definitely. and then realized. And by the way, that's really good by Selleck because one thing you should never do in the run game is, in a sense, look for someone that you're going to pass. Right. You, you know, you never block someone behind you yeah. in the run game. So, no, you're exactly right. That'll set up a block in the back kind of. Uh, right, right. Um, and you, and, you and also, you're, leaving, no you're leaving a defender in front exactly. that's unblocked. But, no, I remember that play specifically. But um, the Wham concept, it's all based on the defensive front. Uh, the play we broke down on the All-22, he got the three technique. Then there was one where he got the one technique just based on the defensive front. Yep. So it's really based on the defensive front. And I think you're going to see that concept, whether it's Wham or Trap or both against Seattle – because they're an aggressive, penetrating defense, and Sheldon Richardson is a really, really quick three technique. We we talked about this on on the the uh, the All Twenty Two review about how you know this week it was more of a wham a wham game for against the Chicago Bears. The week before against Dallas, it was more of a trap game. And, and again, the difference being who you're using to block that three technique. The trap game is more about uh, the the. Guard on the back the side back coming side. across. Yep. The wham is more about the tight end or on a fullback or a running yeah. back coming and blocking on the front side. But the great thing about having both of those in your arsenal is that if you're a three technique as a, on, on a defensive line and you fly upfield against this Eagles offense and you're unblocked, you know the block's coming from somewhere. Some, yeah. But you don't know where it's coming from. It Correct. could be coming from either way. And to me, that's the idea. It's almost like chipping an edge rusher. Right. Once you do it enough, now they're almost conditioned to expect contact, and you're, now it's taking your objective well, away from get, getting to the football. You're making the three technique have to think because three techniques don't like to think. They like to penetrate. So now if you're Sheldon Richardson, you've got some film study to do this week because you have to be aware of formation. You have to be aware, is a, excuse me, a Brent Selleck or a Zach Ertz, whoever it may be, is there someone on, this, on that side who could possibly wham you? You have to be aware of that, and it just might give you a little pause. Yeah, and the fact that the Eagles also incorporate those split zone with the tight end comes all the way all across the, way across. the formation. Yep. Now you're messing with those linebackers because yeah. if, they, if they see Brent Selleck or Zach Ertz lined up as a wing and they're thinking, oh, this could be wham, this could be wham, they're expecting something coming A-gap. Well, now this could be going the opposite way on a split zone. And it's funny you say that because the Niners had some success with that against the Seahawks this week times with a split zone concept. Yeah, so it'll yeah. be interesting to see if the Eagles decide to go that yep. route or stick with the, the wham and trap that have worked over the last couple of weeks. This, this run game, because they're so multiple, and you and I have been talking about this now for a year and a half, 
this this Doug Peterson run game and everybody uh, on that offensive staff, so many layers to it and all yeah. the different things they do. Not as much of the speed and the read and the and the misdirection element that no. we saw maybe a year ago, but they'll come out and they'll hit you in a lot of different ways. And you know, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Carson Wentz, as there should be. But their run game, I mean, who would have thought this going back to the beginning of the season? Right. They're the best first down rushing team in the NFL. Okay. They run the ball on first down at 5.1 yards per clip. That's really good on first down. Yeah, and this is going to be a top 10 run defense that they're going yep. up against in Seattle. So that will certainly be one of the matchups that I think everybody's going to be focused on in this game. Let's let's go over to the Eagles defense and what was just a, a dominant, <laughs> I don't know what to a, say. A dominant performance. <laughs> I mean, they, it was just, in some ways, it was like a college game where just the Eagles defensive line so overmatched the Bears offensive line that it there wasn't. They didn't blitz very much. They yep. they didn't have to. Yeah. They, there was I don't know. There was know. a triple A gap pressure late when the twos were in. I don't know if you if you got to that I know point. I didn't. If they, that's okay, the, I didn't. Two, when the twos were in, they ran a yeah. triple A gap pressure, which was really interesting. Um, one guy who wasn't on the stat sheet, I don't believe if he was, it was maybe like a tackle here or there. I thought Derek Barnett looked really good in this game with his hands. I yeah. thought he was really competitive. It was a, it, I thought he – there were a few snaps where I thought that's He's, the guy they drafted. It's going to be interesting because I think Vinnie Curry's had a good year, but clearly Barnett's in rotation with him, yeah. particularly when they go to their sub-package D-line where they're now bringing pretty consistently Graham inside at D-tackle yeah. with Cox, and it's either Barnett or Curry at right defensive end, and I guess Long is at left defensive end. Yep. And, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's that's kind of been their number yeah. one sub pressure uh, or sub package pressure group. Fletcher Cox once again dominant. Timmy Jernigan so good against the run. Jernigan is really a good player. Yeah, no. Question. And I don't know what you thought. I thought that Michael Kendricks really showed up. He made a couple of really big time plays on the backside. He did. Yeah. I mean, he showed great range and great yep. pursuit speed. You know, I thought he he, he flashed. Yeah, in, in terms of the perimeter run game, that, that's where he's at his best. Yeah. Is when you know the, there's a play going away from and him, he can and run. he's left yeah. unblocked, and he you could just see him uh, get you know get to the football on the perimeter. I thought that he really stood out in this game as well. Uh, I thought Bradham had to, his share of plays in this game. In the secondary, it was interesting. The, the, now we talked about last week about how they would match up to Tariq Cohen in certain sets, and we saw some big nickel from this team uh, on Sunday where you saw. Corey Graham be the fifth defensive back, and it was really it, it seemed to be in response to some of those two back sets with Jordan Howard. Yeah, and it could Cohen. have been. I mean, I would imagine that's what it probably was. Yeah. But it's funny because yeah, that was the tactic. It didn't really play out in the game though, just right. because they, we never got they to were that. Out of it. Yeah, yeah. They, we never got to that. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting to see how often they they did go to that early on, and then uh, you know the, everybody on the outside as well, just just really kind of Jalen Mills shows up week in and week out. He made a great play down the field late in the game. You see the the competitiveness from Ronald Darby yeah. as well. Uh, Rodney McLeod playing a little bit in the slot, which yeah. was interesting early on. He I, was, was down. I pointed out he early. was down in the box a little bit more than he normally is. Yeah, that, I thought. Well, and Jenkins played more snaps of single high than we've normally seen. What do, you, do you think there was any any reason behind that, or you think they were just kind well, of mixing things up? Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, you know, I think they're both capable of, of, of course, doing those things. So it'll be, you know, sometimes too, you just give a different look and you give teams, your future opponents, something else to think about. No question, no question. I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and again, just an overall, just yeah, dominant, just dominant. I mean, there, you know, I didn't, you know, after a while watching. I mean, I got through the first half and I watched the second half. You know, in, into the fourth quarter when when uh, the regulars came out. But at halftime, I was thinking to myself, you know. I don't know what to say here. You know, it's just it was just dominant football. 
Yeah, and it, it was it, physical dominance. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I mean, you know, you look at it and it's just like, all right, there's no three and out. There's no three and out. Yeah. There's no, th- no first downs in the first no. half. No, uh, they ran 16 plays, down. not counting the kneel down at, at the end of the first half. The Bears ran 16 offensive I think plays. The Eagles ran almost 50. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, let's go over to the to next week's game, uh, which is going to be a big match. I think a lot of people are really excited about this Sunday night football against Seattle. Uh, this Seattle offense, you know, we've seen them now. We saw them last year against this team. Obviously runs through Russell Wilson. You know, they're, they're not a, a great run team right no. now. They've been cycling backs in and out of the lineup over the course of the year. I feel like they've had six or seven different running backs. Um, but the, the offense certainly flows through Russell. Yeah, and even in the pass game, it's not really a structured execution pass game. They did, no. they did that well this past week in the second half against San Francisco. But for the most part... This is not an offense that, that runs at a high efficiency level in terms of structure, timing, rhythm. It's very much a second reaction Russell Wilson offense. Now, that doesn't mean they can't make plays in structure because they'll surprise you here and there. But for the most part, you must make sure that Russell Wilson, who with each game almost has an increasing tendency to move, often when he doesn't have to move, but this is the way he plays now, and he's obviously very good at it, you have to make sure you corral that. They're one of those teams where there's not a lot of rhyme and rhythm and, and you know, where they, you really kind of get into a flow where you stop them, let's say, six, seven plays in a row. Maybe you get a three and out. Maybe you get a second one, and you feel pretty good about yourself. And then they run a double reverse pass to, to Jimmy Graham. Correct. Or then they, or then they run uh, – you, you have Russell Wilson stopped in the backfield and he scrambles for 28 yards. Or, On third and 11. Yeah, or right, he, you exactly. Know, he breaks the pocket yeah. and Doug Baldwin runs a great route and gets open. Right. And now they, they get you a first down. They find ways to steal big chunks of yards. Correct. And they get down in the red zone and, and they toss it up to Jimmy Graham. And he, he's They're a hard the offense to, to get a handle on because there's not a lot of structure, but yet – because of the second reaction ability of Wilson, you never feel like they're out of it. You, 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 right. you know, unless you're up 35-10. But you never feel like they're out of it. And then sometimes what happens, they've had a lot of games where you have that feeling and then they only score 10 points and you go, wow, their offense really wasn't very good. Yeah. But Russell Wilson has a unique ability to make plays on the move, improvisationally, second reaction, and you have to defend that. One of the aspects of this game and something that we're going to focus on in our show in Eagles game plan uh, is their use of empty sets. Correct. They're, they're one of the biggest empty teams in the NFL. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I venture to guess that they probably run empty as much uh, as probably, probably anybody in the league. What are the benefits of empty? Why do you think they run so much of it? What can the Eagles fans expect to see uh, when they see Russell Wilson by himself in the backfield in those empty sets? It spreads out the defense first and foremost. It helps the quarterback see whether it's man or zone. Very often out of empty, they'll do a little shifting or motion, and that helps to find man or zone. It can create matchups that are favorable. Uh, it allows them to run in the pass game, uh, the quick game, the three-step timing game, or the quick five-step timing game in which the ball gets out of Russell Wilson's hands quickly. It also, in spreading the defense, creates a lot of room for Russell Wilson to run. And, and when I say run, it could be by design, Uh, quarterback draws, or it could be just improvisationally. There's a lot of room on the field when the defense is spread out like that. And make no mistake about it, they encourage Russell Wilson to be improvisational. You can tell by the way they play. Yeah, they're they're not telling him don't do that. They're encouraging him to make improvisational plays. And 
you know, we can debate whether that's good or bad, but that's the reality of their offense. We've had this discussion a bunch of times off camera, uh, just about the you know the, the quote unquote new wave of the quarterback position yep. and kind of where it's going. We've had lots of discussions about a player like a Baker Mayfield. Sure. Watching this offense in Seattle makes me think, like, all right, well, maybe Baker Mayfield can play in a scheme that well, that's like that. But to your point that you made, a, we can argue whether or not that's good or not uh, in terms of being overly productive right. and successful in the NFL. And, and, and as much as, you know, we're going to have more of that conversation, yes. I'm really excited to go to the Combine and talk to a lot of different people about that, you know, not about just Baker Mayfield, but of the course. philosophical approach. I still think you'll that – 99 out of 100 NFL guys would take Jared Goff over Baker Mayfield, you know, in terms of, of playing the position at the NFL level. Right. You know, so, uh, but but the reality is that's what the Seahawks offense has really evolved into over sort of the last year and a half, and that's the way they play. And keep one thing in mind, when they have a, when their defense can keep games really close or keep the other team from scoring a lot of points, then that means that kind of offense can at least provide wins for you. Yeah. It may not be ideal or it may not be aesthetically pretty, but you can win games if the other team's only scoring 10 or 13 points. Let's talk from a, from a personnel standpoint. Uh, overall thoughts on Jimmy Graham and kind of his role in the offense. What kind of a weapon is he for Russell Wilson? Uh, it's been expanding a little bit. I think that, you know, when they do play in a little bit of structure, his role's I think been expanding. He's obviously phenomenal in the red zone. Yeah, number and one, number one in red zone targets, catches, and touchdowns right now in the NFL. Right, right, and it, it, in a variety of ways. Obviously, yeah. there's been just the, the fade and the toss up to him, but in other ways as well. Yep. Um, you know, he's clearly a weapon, and we'll see how much man the Eagles choose to play. They may tr- choose to play more zone to have eyes on Russell Wilson in the backfield. Um, if they play man, I imagine it's Malcolm Jenkins. Uh, you know, I think the other player who, to me, is, is, is Doug Baldwin. I think Doug Baldwin Doug Baldwin's a really good is receiver. a really good player. Yeah, and and in an odd way, you can't fall asleep on Paul Richardson. He's he has his moments. I was not big on him coming out of Colorado, and I feel like as we've played Seattle a few yeah. times since he's come out, he's gotten better each and every year. Yeah. He looks pretty good, especially as a route runner. I now. agree, and he's got some burst. He you know, no, yeah. he's always had that verticality to him. And keep one thing in mind: Russell Wilson has a really good arm. Yeah. So you know, again. It's one of those things where they don't execute in structure on any kind of consistent basis, but you can't go into a game saying, oh, they're not going to do that yeah. because that's how you get burned. Uh, and then in the run game, like I said, the, the run game isn't a big part of what they do. They're bottom They'd third like in the league. They'd like it to be, I think. They'd like it to be, but, but it's, it's, not there. it's not overly effective. See, the, 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 the big mismatch in this game, but because of Wilson's improvisational ability, we'll see how it plays out, but the big mismatch in this game is the Eagles' D-line against the Seahawks O-line. Yeah. That's a big mismatch. Yep. But, you know, again, that's a we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, they're middle of the pack in terms of sacks, but I think yeah. that goes more to just the way that they play. You've got uh, a lot of the empty and the quick game and things like that. Obviously, Russell Wilson's ability to, to run away from pressure, he runs into his share of sacks at times, but uh, he'll obviously run out of some as well. Uh, and in the run, it's been a mix and match in terms of these backs. I mean, a, a lot of people thought Thomas Rawls was going to be the guy. They gave Eddie Lacy a shot early in the year. This the J.D. McKissick kid. I knew nothing about. I think he went to Arkansas State. He did. Knew nothing about him. Uh, and he's he's an athletic kid. Yes. He can be used in a lot of different ways. I mean, he's uh, a, he's this week's Terry Cohen basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and then you have Mike Davis, who they called up from the practice squad, uh, who's been a player for them Shots as well Carolina. in the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Or the last couple of weeks. 
Um, so they'll kind of mix and match there in the run game. But uh, it's going to be a really – I agree. It's going to be that, that offensive line against this Eagles defensive line. Um, going to the other side of the ball, not quite the Legion of Boom. You know, you nope. know, obviously you have the injuries. Cam Chancellor was just announced on Monday. He is certainly out for the year. Yeah, and his career uh, might be over. It's yeah, a neck it's, injury. It's, it's a shame. I know. Uh, and then you have Richard Sherman, obviously, with the injury a few weeks back. Uh, so they're, they're missing some pieces, but a really good front seven. Really good. And a ton of depth on the D-line. I mean – one player you, I remember talking about with you coming out of Maryland, I liked him a little more than you did. Hey, there's some guys. You, you liked Frank Clark more than I did, and you were right on that. I loved but Frank But Quentin Jefferson gets a lot of snaps for them, and he plays pretty well as a, in rotation as a three technique yep. with uh, Sheldon Richardson. Yeah, and Sheldon Richardson has he's, been – He's been really good. Big addition. Uh, yeah. Really disruptive at the, three, at the three technique, not just against the pass, but uh, also against the run. Uh, has been very, very disruptive. I, like you mentioned, I, I would expect to see you know some of those traps and some of those yep. whams to try and take advantage of his aggressiveness up front. Jaron Reed, a former second-round pick out of Alabama at nose tackles. And Nasir very, very Jones, well. who yeah. jumps in and plays some one technique as well. A rookie, yep. and yeah. Then one of the big matchups, if you're looking at this Eagles offense against the Seattle defense, uh, Halapulavati Vitae is going to see a lot of both Michael Bennett yes. and Frank Clark. And those are two guys that, in terms of their their power and their ability to win low side, like they can give Vitae some issues. So I will I be very agree. intrigued to see uh, how he's able to handle himself. And one thing that the Seahawks do extremely well is with their front alignments, they create one-on-ones for their edge rushers. Now, so then it's up to the Eagles if – then there's a lot of factors involved. It's the nature of your pass game. Does your pass game take care of the rush with with the the drops? Do you do you try to leave Vitae and Johnson one on one and just let it see what happens? Right. Do you then start with chips, which you'd prefer not to do because that presents a limitation for you with your pass game? But we'll see because that is something to definitely look for in this game. And then you go to the linebacker level, and I, I was talking with Ben Fennell about this uh, earlier on, uh, earlier today, earlier on Monday, and we're looking at you know Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, one of the best linebacker tandems in the NFL. Uh, and then we're thinking, and we're like, you know what, the Eagles, they haven't faced a lot of top end linebacker talent this year on game day. You know, they they faced teams with good linebackers, but Luke Keekley went out after about a quarter and a half. Sean Lee didn't play in the game. B.J. Goodson for the New York Giants didn't play in the game. Uh, and then after that, there haven't been a ton of right. super talented linebackers. Bobby Wagner is the real deal, one of the best oh, linebackers the best the off the ball players yeah. in the league. Yeah, without question. And he's good in every area. He can play the run really well. He's excellent in pass coverage. He doesn't play a lot of man, even when they play man. He's not the man defender, but he's got a great feel in the middle of the field. And the last couple of weeks with the injuries in the secondary, they haven't been blitzing quite as much yeah. and playing quite as much man. But when they do go cover one blitz... He's the blitzer. He had and a sack against the Eagles last year on a blitz. Yeah, yeah. and he's really good. Yeah, he's yeah. a very good blitzer. <laughs> yeah. uh, and K.J. Wright, obviously a very talented player as and well. And big, 250. Yeah, he's yeah. a big kid. Um, going to the secondary, you know, the injuries at corner uh, have certainly hurt this team. You, know, you lose uh, Cam Chancellor as well, and Bradley McDougal has stepped in as strong safety and has been a box player for them. But looking at the corner spot, they were forced to sign Byron Maxwell, right. and he's had some starts. Uh, the rookie, though, the right corner, Shaquille Griffin, who missed the last couple of weeks. Is he going to be back this week? It looks like he will be okay. back. Um, when you look at Shaquille Griffin, who was a third-round pick, I believe, uh, what are you seeing from Griffin so far? I think he's clearly gotten better as the season's gone on. I thought earlier in the year he was really inconsistent and erratic. He's long. He's athletic. 
I think he had to figure out where where his eyes needed to go. Uh, even when he played man, you still have your eyes still have to go somewhere. Yes, and I think that he was having a hard time with that early in the season. That's very interesting for you to say. Okay, do you agree? I well, I'm going to go over my, over my notes on him from when he was in college, right? And I wrote a lot of the same things about him when okay. he was in college, and I, it's I agree with you that they that he has gotten he's better gotten better over the course of the year, and I think that they feel that he can be a pretty big time corner I, I because be of his guy. length and his his athletic ability. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's yeah. it's going to be a fun game because it's a talented team, uh, one of the bigger tests the Eagles. It's have a team with so a lot of pride so. too. I mean, they've had injuries, but you know that that's a tough place to play, and it's a tough team. And they can still win in a, in a, a number of different ways. Yeah. They, so this is a tough game. No question. Well, Greg, you and I will get a chance to watch it here from the Novacare Complex. Sunday night football, prime time once again. It'll be a late, late Sunday night and early, early Monday morning for us next week. But uh, it'll be worth it. It'll be a fun game for us to watch. Greg, appreciate the time here, as always, on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating and leave us a comment. We've had a ton of you guys go and do it over the last few weeks, and I really appreciate everybody. I wanted to give a shout-out to C. Wetzel20, who went on iTunes and rated the show and left a comment saying how much he enjoys listening to the podcast. So thanks to C. Wetzel and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Okay, let's keep this show going. I told you that we would break down a rookie that has looked good for Seattle this year. That player is cornerback Shaquille Griffin, who we just talked about with Greg, the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, Shaquille Griffin, six foot and an eighth, 194 pounds, so good size for an NFL corner. He was a second-team All-AAC selection last year, led the team with four picks and five or 15 pass breakups last year, playing for de- defensive coordinator Eric Chenander, who Eagles connection. He was an Eagles assistant back in 2013, so uh, Chenander went and rose pretty quickly, ended up the defensive coordinator down there in Central Florida, two-year starter at right corner for the Knights. Again, his first year starting for Chenander, though he did get plenty of reps at left corner, so he's got experience on both sides of the formation, spent most of his time in college in press man, and that's always an advantage for players coming from that position that play a lot of press man at the college level. Tall, long corner, thick, sturdy frame in press. He's got the strength to disrupt wide receivers to the line of scrimmage based off his college film. From off coverage, he's got the burst to close quickly at the catch point where he uses his length to go get the football on the ground. He certainly has enough straight line speed to run with NFL receivers. And while I didn't think he necessarily played to his 4-3-9 40-yard dash, he is plenty fast. He does a good job of staying in phase down the field, attached to his man's hip on vertical routes to deter throws. He displayed a knack for playing the football in the air, and he will climb the ladder to finish at the catch point for interceptions. Had a couple of starts at safety under his belt throughout his career earlier in his career at, at Central Florida, and you can see why with the way he played against the run. Aggressive player, not afraid to get his nose dirty in the trenches, knows how to set the edge as a forced guy against wide receivers, very comfortable attacking the line of scrimmage, and while he isn't a picture-perfect tackler, he does what's needed to get his man to the ground, and he was often used as a blitzer from the boundary. So a versatile guy, big, strong, 
from a negative standpoint, though, with Griffin, I didn't think in college that he used his length consistently to disrupt receivers early in the down, and that's something that they've worked on with him in that press scheme in Seattle. Definitely a little bit of stiffness with him there in transition. Uh, you know, I thought you know he tested like a great athlete. He was one of the best testers at the cornerback position in this draft class. But I didn't think he played like a great athlete. I played. I thought he played like a good or a really good athlete, if that makes any sense. So, uh, you know, good athlete. I didn't think he played like a great one. Played very fast and loose in man coverage. There were times where I thought he took a little bit too much time to react to the top of opponent's stem downfield. And he seemed a little bit more instinctive in the quick game. You know, as he got further away from the line of scrimmage, he looked less and less comfortable. I didn't think he was overly impressive reading things from zone coverage. So it was really interesting, honestly, to hear Greg's thoughts on the fact that he was a little bit struggling you know, in the, early in the season mentally and then got better and better and better as the season has progressed. And I agree, I, having watched him this year, he has gotten better in that area with his eyes over the course of the season. Uh, you know, Gave up a good amount of big plays in college, and he needs to clean things up across the board. He got a little bit grabby. He was flagged a couple times last year. Could have been even more in his last season with Central Florida. Overall, though, I wrote that Shaquille Griffin had the physical traits that you want for a starting NFL corner. Thought he lacked the overall awareness and route recognition you would want from that position as an early starter, and he's kind of been forced into that role because of injuries in that secondary, but he could turn into something special with the proper coaching. Without knowing anything about him personally, it was tough to gauge if he would reach that ceiling. Overall, felt comfortable with him as a backup long-term with a very high-ceiling, boomer-bust type of player. So that's how I feel about Shaq Hill Griffin, who has turned into a nice player and I think has a bright future out there for the Seahawks. So he'll be a player that you have to watch for in this game. Coming back into the starting lineup for former Eagle Byron Maxwell. All right, great stuff from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and, of course, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And, again, one more time. Take a few seconds. Go rate the show. Leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I would love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.